0: Santos' kick is lined up. That kick is good! He got it! Breeze
1: has a pocket, now throws it late over the middle. The pass is going to be deflected and intercepted. Sorensen up to 40, 35, 30, 25. Sorensen 15, cuts back left, 10, 5,
2: Touchdown! Kansas City on a 45-yard pick. Six by Daniel Sorensen.
1: How's it going, Chiefs Kingdom? You're listening to the Arrowheads Abroad podcast, the official podcast for the internationally recognized supporters club of the Kansas City Chiefs. You can download the show on both SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search for the name Arrowheads Abroad. I'm your host, Brad Simcox, and joining me again are Tom Childs and Dave Barnett. Uh, it's a bit of a different one this week because uh, we have a special guest joining us to discuss everything Chiefs. And believe us when we say this, this guy knows his Chiefs. So welcome to the show, Seth Kaiser from Our Head Abroad. Kaiser. <laughs> Kaiser.
2: <laughs> you nailed it, I got it right. I got it right. I got it right. <laughs> got it right. <laughs> How's it going anyway? <laughs> It's going very well, guys. Thanks for having us. No, me. It's great.
1: It really, really appreciate you joining us at uh, such short notice because I know uh, Tom's pretty much got you by the scruff of the neck and dragged you underneath.
2: <laughs> Last uh, it twenty was, minutes was something. To, well, he didn't have to threaten my family, but I mean, you know, whatever, whatever you got to do, I guess, to get ahead, I, you know. I'm just waiting for that proof of life to show up. And then in the meantime, we'll talk about the Chiefs, I guess. Well,
0: well Seth, you, you actually have magic powers because the reason why you're on the show tonight is because about 8 o'clock our time, 2 o'clock ahead time, we got a message from Dave saying that he couldn't actually make the show. And then I thought, oh, God, we need, someone, we need someone to come on. So I messaged you and you could come on. And then you appearing on the show has made Dave turn up from nowhere. <laughs> <it> <laughs>
2: Magic. All of a sudden, wow! I feel very important. <laughs> magic. Yeah. Well, that that is that is the the power of Arrowhead Pride. I'll tell you what. We just uh, we we're, we're that big You're apparently. Like a <laughs> genie in a bottle.
1: We just uh, just rub the lamp and a European, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um,
1: anyway, Seth, we've got you on specifically uh, for this show because mm-hmm. uh, me and Tom have having a bit of a, a bit of a chat with some NFL fans recently about. Um, the Chiefs apparently the defence is not quite up to it this season. Now we've been fighting the corner oh. and everything, uh, but we mm-hmm. need somebody who is in the know <laughs> to help us out with this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what was it? Uh, uh, did did you have a chat with somebody recently, Tom? About um, was it the poor situation or something like that? That
0: <clears throat> yeah, it was actually a conversation you started. Oh yeah, yeah um, awesome. On
2: a... <laughs> it, I, I like to touch
1: paper much ago. <laughs> oh, <you> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> It was on a Facebook forum. You put on something about Super Bowl odds and how the Chiefs were low down, and that's a completely different conversation. But then I noticed one of the comments was all to do with the Chiefs' defense. And this guy who clearly doesn't watch Chiefs' plays, like, oh, the offense will be worse in 2017. Okay, that's, that is up for discussion. That is possible. But the, but then he said the Chiefs' defense will be a lot worse in 2017. A lot and, worse. A lot worse, and that just wow. got me thinking, and got me ranting, and got me arguing on Facebook. <laughs> <Become> <laughs> of a proper course. keyboard warrior. Um, <laughs> so then, that's why I thought, right, let's get the big guns in. Get <laughs> Seth in. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Put the record. <laughs> um, yeah. Sure. And so, basically, tomorrow on that same thread, I'm going to post this podcast and go go to about five minutes when Seth starts, and then mm. let's 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 see what response they have then, because sure. I don't think. I personally don't think the Chiefs defense is going to be worse in 2017. I think it's going to be better, and Seth is going to tell you why.
2: <laughs> well, oh, and then I start. Oh, great. Um, well, here, here's here's one thing I'll say. You know, I've been I've been doing this for six or seven years, really focusing on film analysis for the last three or four years. And until people are presented with evidence that is so completely over the top. No one ever changes their mind, especially on Facebook. So I don't expect to change anyone's minds. But here's the fact of the matter. We'll start with Dontari Poe. I actually, um, prior to Poe being uh, let go as a free agent, I did a film review on him. And for those who aren't familiar with my process, I watch every snap on all 22, watching from both angles. And then I chart wins, losses, and neutral plays, as well as uh, effective double teams drawn, because that's an important part of being a defensive tackle. Um, as well as, you know, pressures, hit sacks, basically charting the things that you can't see in a box score and that you're not going to notice when you watch the game live, right? Yeah. So I did, so I did that with six games of Dontari Poe, and what I found is, is unfortunately, that in 2016, Poe wasn't nearly the player that he was in, say, 2013 and 2014, especially 2014. What I found was he'd actually become a very average player against the run. He wasn't strong at the point of attack. Um, good centers, in particular, one of the reasons—if you go back and rewatch both Steelers games—one of the reasons they ran at will on the Chiefs is because Pouncey absolutely ate his lunch constantly. <laughs> the uh, it, it was it was it was rough. I mean, one on one every time. People talk about well, he was busy taking on double teams against the elite centers. No, he wasn't. He was getting handled by himself. Seth. And that- oh, sorry, <laughs> I was
3: just going to say, Seth, how much do you think last year? Obviously, we know. He's had mm-hmm. issues with his back. How right. much do you think that played into his
2: performance last year? Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's impossible to say, of course. But you know, Poll has never, and you know, I've 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 been very unpopular with Chiefs fans for saying this. Poe has always been, in my opinion, a bit overrated by Chiefs fans. Although in 2013 and especially 2014, he was a very good player. However, <clears throat> he was never as strong at the point of attack as a guy his size should be. He was always, the way I would describe him, he's he's, he's a three-tech trapped in a nose-tackle's body. What I mean by that is his game is actually a little more uh, dependent on his freakish quickness and unusual athleticism for his size, and he, he really isn't that strong at the point of attack. and never has been, but I will say there was a marked weakness in that area in 2016, and so it's pretty tough to not say that back problems – wouldn't have something to do with it when you see a player suddenly get noticeably worse. And the fact of the matter is he's a 330 to 350 pound man that's taken a crazy amount of snaps the last three years. You said about
0: him being overrated by Chiefs fans. Do you think that's more down to a a cult thing because of the whole scoring touchdowns? Do you think that's kind of blinded people's views of him as a player because he is a likable guy there's no there's no getting around that I'm sure people at Atlanta will love him as well Um, Mm -hmm. but do you think that that opinion kind of blinded people's view of his play on the defensive line
2: I think that's absolutely true not only with Chiefs fans but on a national level as well and the second thing that would cause people to overrate him a little bit again he was a fine play for a while it's not like he was terrible in 2016 okay he was just I would call him aggressively average he his his plays tended to be splash plays, right? He he might have three or four bad plays in a row that people don't really notice, but his good plays were really splashy. And your average fan remembers that and assumes that you've got a dominant player, even though he's not, because the the, the average fan only notices splash plays.
0: Okay, so how much of an upgrade is Benny Logan on Dontari Poden?
2: Um, You know, Benny Logan, once the Chiefs signed him, I went and I did the same thing, right? I reviewed, uh, I think it was only four games of his um, in 2016, uh, playing for the Eagles, and I made sure to do it against uh, similar opponents, like the Falcons, for example, and then the Cowboys, because they've got the best offensive line in the league and arguably the best center. And I did all the same things, and what I charted is that Logan lost um, less than half the time that, that Poe does. And what I mean is like a loss percentage, right? Your percentage of snaps that you lose and that you get beat. It was less than half for Benny Logan. He had fewer run defense losses. I think, what did he have? I think in four games, I believe he had five run defense losses totals, or maybe six. There were multiple games that Poe had more than that. And Logan had that few in four games. Against the run, he was, he was twice the player Poe was in 2016. It wasn't even close. And the interesting thing for me was, as a pass rusher, I wouldn't say he'd be an upgrade, but what's interesting about Logan, he's only got one move when he rushes the passer. It's a bull rush. That's it. But he's not bad at it, because he's just a beast of a human being. He's incredibly powerful. And so he was actually able to crush the pocket a little more, and he actually had more pressures and quarterback hits by my charting than Poe did on a per game basis, even though he didn't have as many opportunities to rush the passer because they rotated him out. Um, he was a much much better player in 2016. It wasn't close.
1: I was going to say, who do you think would complement him, Benny? As
2: in, you mean along the Chiefs defensive line? Who will play well with him? Yeah. Well, when you look at the Chiefs defensive line, you know Chris Jones is the type of player who's going to complement anyone. Um, he was he was remarkably effective for a rookie last year, especially a rookie whose pad level is consistently so high, but it just didn't matter. Um, so he'll, he'll compliment anyone, but particularly given the fact that Jones, as the year wore along, started attracting more and more double teams and more and more attention, and the rest of the defensive line, because Alan Bailey was injured, Jay Howard was injured, and Dante Taripo was ineffective, Nunez Rochez flashed at times, but he, he's got to put some weight on. He's got to get a little bigger. So the rest of the defensive line couldn't capitalize on the fact that jones was drawing more attention and so jones i think will be someone that could really compliment him because that's going to leave logan in one-on-one situations and while logan is not i mean he's not you know an aaron donald type that's going to blow past linemen he's too strong to be blocked individually i didn't see a single center that handled his strength well including friedrich who's considered an exceptional center including um if you look back a little farther, you know, including Mac, none, no center handled him well. He's just too strong, and so I think Chris Jones is a guy that'll really complement him well.
1: Do you uh, do you see any? particular weakness in that defensive line though this this like this coming year. um
2: this coming year it'll be interesting to see how alan bailey is coming back you know he uh he he didn't look that great in 2016 prior to getting hurt but he had a good 2015 he's kind of a guy you know what you're getting with him he is you know he's the hulk i mean he's just a brute He's not going to do much rushing the passer unless he occasionally, like he did against the Texans in the playoffs, you know, throw the offensive line into the quarterback, which by the way is the manliest way to sack a quarterback, but it's, it it's not that common. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so Bailey's a, he's a, he's a, he's a guy, you kind of know what you're getting. He's a sturdy player. He's average. He's, a, he's an okay defensive lineman. You're all right with him as a starter. Um, I'm curious about their depth. And that I think that could be a problem. Nunez Roche, I think, is a guy they're gonna be counting on to, to to rotate in. And while again, he flashed at times as a run defender, he's got really great pad level. You know, he he gets himself really low in under offensive linemen and is really great at driving them backwards. But when he's asked to hold up at the point of attack, he, he's just he's too light. He he gets run over a little bit. Um, and then additionally, one thing I'm a little concerned about and we'll see if Benny Logan can help with this, is defensive discipline. Chris Jones' only real weakness that I saw as a rookie besides his pad level, which I think he'll work on, um, he had a tendency to maybe get lost in the scrum a little bit against the run and not realize where things were headed, and because of that, he would run himself out of plays. He was a good run defender, but he could have been a great one with his strength. And so those are concerns that I have, depth, and then Jones' discipline as a run defender but overall, I think it should be a stronger group than what we had last year, just because you've got to remember the front seven of the Chiefs last year was the most injured front seven in football, if you count up games lost. And that wasn't just because...
1: And that's the excuse we
2: need. Yes. Yes. Be writing this
1: down, Tom, that's the excuse we need. Yes. Yeah, there's there's a
2: fun fact to hang on to. Because you got to remember, they lost both their starting defensive ends early in the season. Jay Howard, who, I mean, he's gone now. For whatever happened there, um, but and they were decent, reliable players. And Poe took a huge step backwards from being a. I mean, he took a he took a step down in 2015, where he went from being a very, very good nose tackle to where he was he was decent last year. He was pretty good, and then 2016, I would call him just a guy. He he wasn't anything special out there last year. And so the line as a whole, I think Benny Logan is a mark to upgrade. Chris Jones, you would assume in his second year will continue to improve. Uh, that's a pretty easy assumption to make given the rate at which he improved as the year went along. And then Alan Bailey being back from injury, you should have overall a significantly sounder front three than you did down the stretch last year.
3: So obviously bringing up the injuries yep. again, moving back from the defensive line a little bit, mm-hmm. obviously Derek Johnson, Justin march last year, both... Missing for large parts, if not all of the season, we mm-hmm. obviously had the the kind of I think surprise to a few Chiefs fans towards the end of the year when uh, March got brought back off the IR instead of yes. Charles because I think yeah. quite a few guys were expecting Charles to be that guy. Oh, ahead of all of us. Um, so I was just wondering, like, obviously it's a second Achilles injury for for DJ, and we've never mm-hmm. really seen March that much in game situations i was just wondering what what you
2: think we can expect from those two coming back from injury this year you know with march i'm i'm curious he he kind of had an interesting progression last year because people were excited to see what he could do his first preseason game when he played with the starters he was objectively awful i mean terrible and then the next preseason game he played with the starters he was pretty good and then in his very first pro, like his first actual real regular season action as a starter, he was awful. And then he got better. And so you're hoping that he'll continue to improve. But the problem is, like you said, injury derails it, and you don't really know what you have in him. Um, DJ, they sound really optimistic about him. And I'm assuming if they weren't, they had some options at inside linebacker during the draft, some really good options. And they've had some good options for guys to go after in free agency. And they haven't gone after them. You know, they've gone after, like, you know, they re-signed MAGA, who is more of a, you know, in a supportive role. That doesn't scream we're worried about DJ to me. And what's important for people to remember, you know, DJ, everything he's saying, he's shooting to be ready for training camp. He is so important to the defense, particularly the run defense. Before DJ went down with an injury, the Chiefs were giving up, I believe it was either 4.1 or 4.2 yards per carry. I remember I wrote about this. They were ranked 16th. They would have finished the year ranked 16th overall in run defense. Not good, but not bad, right? Just exactly average, serviceable. Once he went, yeah, serviceable. It's enough to make it work, especially with how good their pass defense was. Yeah. After he went down, they gave up an average of 5.2 yards per carry, literally dead last in the league. Yeah, and so you see how important he is to that defense. I mean the the Pittsburgh.
3: Playoff game was a, a prime example of that, I think, because Le'Veon oh, yeah. Bell just had his way with that that front seven all all day long, wasn't it? It didn't look
2: like we could stop him for, for love nor money. Yep, it, it didn't look like it. The only reason, I mean, it, I don't know why the Steelers didn't run the ball more. Although in the second half, and people don't talk about this enough, um, Bob Sutton, you know, I got to say, I think he gets a bad rap among Chiefs fans because he switched to a bare front in the second half which meaning five defensive linemen, right? He put five fatties up front, yeah. essentially. And that really slowed Bell down. Now, he was still able to kind of get his, but it was no longer, he was just running at will. They were daring Big Ben to beat the secondary, and he couldn't do it. Um, And so, so Sutton, he does a good job making adjustments around injuries. I wish he'd done it a little earlier with Bell, because, like you said, he was running wild. I was going to um, say, I
3: think, isn't that the knock sometimes, though, that sometimes he does leave... The adjustments a little bit too late, and people do wonder possibly why he doesn't make those adjustments slightly earlier in the game. Because obviously, yeah. I know we made those adjustments in the second half. But I say I'm not certainly not one of his detractors. I, I'm. I think you know this defense has been remarkably and improved since you know Sutton's come on board. But mm-hmm. yeah, there, d- there does seem to be some head scratches at times where you think. Sure. That seemed like that was an issue earlier in the game. Why did we, I know it's hard to adjust on the fly, right. on the sideline, but it just seemed like with stuff maybe that's as obvious as that, that maybe you could adjust that a little bit earlier.
2: No, absolutely, and I know that's been a knock on him. I would say with that particular adjustment, you know, going to a bare front is really aggressive against the run. That is saying we can't stop the run. We are going to stack the box and dare you to pass it. And I assume he was hesitant to go that route because Ben Roethlisberger is so dangerous and Antonio Brown is so dangerous. Mm-hmm. Now, I wish he'd have gone to it earlier because the secondary proved itself up to the task. But I can see why he'd hesitate because, you know, in, in the first game when they played the Steelers, you know, you remember the disaster on on, on national television, yeah. Big Ben just carved that secondary up. Now they had some new guys in there, but I think Maybe Sutton was a little nervous, but I do think that is one of the knocks on him is that his adjustments are a little slow. My rebuttal to that would be most coaches don't make as good adjustments as he makes. And so it's kind of, you know, pick your poison kind of thing. Do you want a guy who maybe overreacts and adjusts quickly and makes inferior adjustments or a guy that maybe takes a little too long, but the adjustments he makes are almost always good ones?
1: Yeah. You kind of don't want that knee jerk reaction, do you, from from the sidelines?
2: Right, that's the last thing you want in a coach is a guy that's too reactionary mm. because one thing I like about Andy Reid is he trusts his players to make plays and you have to do that
0: The Arsene Wenger way um, over here for football I don't know if you're aware of um, our football, soccer as you call it Steph. but um the football team I, I support Arsenal I, have a manager that trusts their players a bit too much in oh, my okay opinion. Um, yeah, yeah, um, I didn't
2: understand that reference, but I. I yeah. feel your pain. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine.
0: <laughs> but the two guys there are thinking, "Shut up, Tom! You always bring up Arsenal yeah, when these." We just like to is. mock him for it, so it's fine. Just, like, <laughs>
3: sure, like, sure
0: absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was just like, well, that, that that was mean, but okay, sure, why not? Um, shut up, you Arsenal! Um, <laughs> you you mentioned it briefly. there, are um, the secondary. Yes. Um, this unit here. It excites me. Uh, in my opinion, you've got four guys there that are all genuine playmakers in Marcus Peters, Daniel Sorensen, Ron Parker and Eric Berry. All mm-hmm. four of them are capable of interceptions at any time, or so it seems. Yep. Um, Marcus Peters, you don't want to pass on full stop. That, we, that got shown last year that quarterbacks were avoiding him, even like the great Drew Brees avoided Marcus Peters last year, which is just unheard of because Drew Brees goes after anyone. Yes, he does. Um so we're saying that, like, we've got four guys that I would say everyone trusts. Then you've got the nickel, and then you've got the, um, the other outside corner. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are, are you worried about them going into 2017?
2: Um, to an extent, but not really. And here's why. Down the stretch last year, after the Chiefs made the adjustment of, of bringing in Terrence Mitchell when, when teams were in three wide receiver sets and having him on the outside and Steven Nelson on the inside... After they made that adjustment, which, interestingly enough, it was midway through the Atlanta game. Because you remember that first half, Atlanta's offense was just, I mean, it was, that, and that's a great offense. I mean, they're, they're run so Terrifying. well. Yeah, absolutely unbelievable. And And so then what happened was Mitchell got the nod midway through that game. And so they made that adjustment. And then after that, they played a number of good passing offenses. If you look at their schedule down the stretch and a number of good quarterbacks and no one played well against them. No one, particularly like, you know, everyone's just drooling over Derek Carr this year in that Raiders offense and they held them to like negative three yards or whatever it was in that freezing <laughs> yeah. cold game. And yes, people say, oh, Derek Carr's, you know, pinky was injured. I'm sorry. He was great the week before. He was great the week after. It wasn't the injury. He got hosed. He got destroyed. That's what <laughs> happened. And you know, yeah. It just drives me nuts. I'm an attorney by day. And when people just ignore all the evidence and say, well, I think this is what it is, that's ridiculous. And so that's secondary. (laughs) Big Ben couldn't get it going with them. Marcus Mariota couldn't get it going with them. Derek Carr couldn't get it going against them. Drew Brees couldn't get it going against them. Matt Ryan did a little, but not as much as he normally does. So once they made that adjustment, things went really well. And so Terrence Mitchell is another guy who went back and um, I, as you can see, I'm addicted to all 22 film. Okay. <laughs> hey. um, that's primarily what my job is. And so I went back and I reviewed every snap that Terrence Mitchell had during the regular season on all 22. And when I, um, when I watch corners, I, I don't, I don't just look at when they were targeted. I grade every snap, at least every snap that they're in man coverage. And I figure out whether they were allowed separation or not. And Terrence Mitchell was impressive. Game after game after game after game after game. He played very well against some really tough receivers. And he acquitted himself really well. And so, and I think it was like a six or seven game sample that you end up with. And so what everyone says then is, well, it's not enough of a sample size. And to an extent, I get that. But when you have someone play that well against an Antonio Brown, against a Demarius Thomas, against a Julio Jones, against an Emmanuel Sanders. Against good receivers and demonstrate good traits, at what point do you say the most likely thing is that he's good? Or do you say the most likely thing is that it was some kind of optical illusion and he just got lucky? Is the, is the
0: fear here that, you know, we could be talking like Marcus
2: Cooper at the start of 2013? I'm so glad you asked about Marcus <laughs> Cooper. As you can tell, I've had this conversation because <laughs> Because Marcus Cooper, you know, man, everyone thought he was the second coming until Peyton Manning basically did the emotional equivalent of, you know, pantsing him in the middle of the field. <laughs> and <laughs> here's, here's where I would say the difference is. The difference is in their film. When you watched Cooper, you saw a guy who had good hips, and had good speed, and was rangy, but he wasn't particularly sticky in coverage. He was really good at covering go routes, and teams weren't attacking him in very specific ways. After about, oh, I would say three or four games, even bad quarterbacks, and we'll circle back to bad quarterbacks, started attacking him on crossers and slants, and he had no answer, He would, players were getting separation from him and you can see it on film, but the quarterbacks they were playing just couldn't take advantage of it. And that brings me to the, the primary difference. If you're going to ignore what the film says, because a lot of people like to do that because they don't want to take the time to watch it. So if you ignore what the film says, look at the quarterbacks they played. Marcus Cooper played very well against a series of very, very bad quarterbacks and they couldn't take advantage when the receivers he was covering got separation. And so even after, everyone thinks that no one knew how to unlock Marcus Cooper until Peyton Manning did it. That's not really true. Teams were running the correct routes against him and getting separation. The quarterbacks just weren't good enough to take advantage. That never happened with Terrence Mitchell. If there was ever a time he was going to get exposed, it would have been against Antonio Brown being thrown to by Ben Roethlisberger in the playoffs. They tried and they couldn't.
1: I was going to say, out out of Mitchell and Gaines, Mitchell's your man.
2: He is, you know, I've always really liked Philip Gaines, you know, because he's fast, he's, he's quick, he's he's got great length, he's good at pressing, but that guy just can't stay healthy, and down the stretch last year, he just, he lacked his, uh, his kind of, one thing that made him unique was that he had really great long speed, but he was also very quick, and that's an unusual combination in a corner, he didn't have that anymore last year, he just looked a step slower, and so he was just getting abused, and so, I mean, he just can't stay healthy. It was that Denver game, wasn't it? Yeah. I think on um... Yeah. He really struggled that game. That was that was tough to watch because I've really plugged for Philip Gaines because of the traits he has. But um I would take Terrence Mitchell at this point because he's demonstrated in more games consecutively against high level opposition that he can play well. And the traits that he demonstrates, he's in particular He's very aggressive, very physical, very good pressing, and he is exceptional at tracking the football and contesting it when it arrives. And that is a perfect fit for what Bob Sutton has his corners do.
0: Sorry, I'm just going through the um, quarterbacks here that we faced at the start of 2013 season. Mm-hmm. And um, it's no wonder we went um, 9-0 to begin with. Um, I can't even remember who the Jags quarterback was in the first game, but I'm just sitting here. You've got Michael Vick, Eli, Manning, and Tony Romo. They're probably the best of the lot. And right. then you've got Terrell Pryor, Case Keenum, Jason Campbell, and Jeff Tool. Yeah, it was a series <laughs> no of, of yeah, it was a series of guys
2: who yeah, yeah, they just they just weren't they just weren't that good. And no. you know, with Eli, if I recall, they caught him on an off day, and you know how Eli is; he's either awesome or he's terrible. And they just, he just, Cooper was just never really tested until Peyton Manning again. And that, I remember, I mean, we all remember that game. That was just, I mean, time after time. And Cooper with the tackle, and Cooper with the tackle, and Cooper with the tackle. It's like,
3: out. Three TDs, wasn't it? That game, I
0: think. It
2: felt like 17. I don't know.
0: (laughs) It was a lot. Um, Anyway, well, there we are. That's the last and only time that Marcus Cooper will be mentioned on this podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So,
3: the the one final thing we should probably bring up, the pass rush. Yes. Now, another area that seemed to be plagued by injuries again last year mm-hmm. at various mm-hmm. points. If everyone is healthy, how do you see us being at that position this year? Because obviously we know Houston can do it when he's healthy. D Ford right. flashed early last year. Obviously, I'm mm-hmm. um, it seems injuries sort of held him back possibly the second half of the year. And obviously Harley, while he's not the player he once was still flashes and gives you something every now and again, provided he's kept rested.
2: Right. Um, you know, the pass rush, it, it did struggle last year. It wasn't nearly as good as what we're used to, but like you said, injuries were a real problem. Um, they just were a real problem. The fact that Poe took a big step back was a real problem. Um, the fact that Chris Jones, you know, he's a rookie, and they weren't giving him snaps early on, that was a problem. By the time they gave Jones snaps, I'm trying to remember what the rate was, but Jones got pressure from the interior at a rate that was higher than anyone, but I think Aaron Donald and Calius Campbell. Yeah, I was going to say. You know, and so he he was getting the job done, but the problem was, you know, like you said, Holly, that guy is a warrior. I love Tomba Bahali. But he he's not a great pass rusher anymore. He's still a good pass rusher, but he's not great. He can't carry a pass rush by himself like he used to. And you've got to swap him in and out. D Ford, like you said, he flashed early from the left side. Then he got that nagging hamstring injury and didn't look the same after that. And there's, you know, this whole left outside linebacker, right outside linebacker thing that I'm personally worried about. I'm I'm hoping Ford can show the same improvement from the right side that he showed from the left side last year. Because if he's smart, that's all he's working on this offseason. Because you're not going to take Justin Houston's spot. No. And so, right. And so the, the pass rush, it, and that's where the big health thing does come in. You know, between Houston and Holly and Ford, they missed well over a full season worth of games last year. And it just it, they just never were able to all be healthy at the same time. The few games that they were a little bit healthy – the pass rush impacted the best run that the chiefs had in 2016 was that stretch where in like, you know, 20 days they beat Denver, they beat Atlanta and they beat Oakland. Right. Yeah. And every one of those teams at the time, the chiefs played them was considered a super bowl contender. And I remember, you know, writing, if they can even go, if they can go two and one in this stretch, we should be talking. Oh man, this, this is impressive. Well, then they went three and zero a big part of that was the fact that they kept affecting the quarterback. So will they? do you think they
0: will be able to do it on a consistent basis in 2017? Like Throw out a ball, ballpark number. What do you think it's going to be in terms of sacks for oh, three
2: this year? In terms of number, you know, that, that's that's always a tough thing to say. But when you combine the fact that the secondary is bringing everyone back, which that directly affects the pass rush, superior coverage leads to sacks. That's just something that happens. Yeah um i would be surprised if you said if everyone stays healthy mm-hmm. if harley, houston yeah harley it, houston ford uh,
0: Peters, Berry, and mitchell all six of them stay healthy right if what about jones done. does
2: jones stay healthy i really I hope love so. chris jones <laughs> <laughs> i just love Chris and, Jones. and everyone everyone stays healthy um, you no, know, Benny Logan can stub his toe one day or something like no. that. And, um, yeah. So I would I would say if if those guys, the guys that you named, stay healthy, um, it would be a disappointing thing if they didn't have over 45 sacks, in my opinion. Not just between those players, but I mean yeah. as a team. That would be disappointing to me because the talent is there to be an utterly absurd pass rush.
0: It's, it's only three sacks a game, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not a huge amount it seemed like a few years ago three sacks a game would have been a quiet day for first defence um, but yeah if we can get the blanket coverage and three sacks a game then we're laughing because you know the pressure's going to be there so you know the bad throws are going to be there as well exactly. which obviously we've got Marcus Peters and Eric Berry to deal with if we can get some pass rush and maybe Maybe get the yard stat up a little bit, I don't particularly like the yard stat as we discussed pre show oh. um <laughs> yeah, but I prefer points per game and turnovers that's how I judge a defense, but sure. um yeah, if maybe if we can make the yard stat a little better, then we could be in more favorable positions, and hopefully right. hopefully it means some more points points the other end because points that's with, <laughs> more points points and points <laughs> 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 points make points um yeah, so hopefully then. We turn some more points on the other end because that for me is the Achilles heel of this team is the offense. But I don't think we'll have you go into the offense now because I think we'll probably be here for about two hours if we start <laughs> yeah. talking about the offense. I, I, have a, I
2: have a bit to say on the offense. You know, with regard just really quickly, you know, you said you don't like using yards as a gauge. Um, one of the really tragic things, particularly with all the information that's available to casual fans today, is the fact that there are still people out there that look at defense and look at total yards rankings and then say, oh, look, they were the number 13 team in the league. I, I, I don't want to be unkind to anyone who's listening who has that opinion, but it's completely wrong and you should feel bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, just, it's just such a bad take. And the reason for that should be obvious, but for whatever reason to people, it's not obvious. Total yards is wildly affected by a number of issues that have nothing to do with how well your offense performed, um, you know it's wildly affected by how good your defense is. Um, for example, I actually just finished a write up on the Raiders that's going to get uh, thrown up soon on Arrowhead Pride. They had, if you look at how many drives every team had throughout the season, the Raiders had 12 more drives, offensive drives, than the league average. So when you when you think about the fact that the average number of drives that a team has in a game is between 10 and 11, that means they had more than one full game worth of drives to collect stats. And so that's an extra, what, 400 yards? Imagine how much that would impact their rating at the end of the year. But that has nothing to do with how efficiently the offense is operating. It has everything to do with, with the defense and with turnover rates and the opposition they were facing. But yet people use total yards as though it's some kind of real benchmark for success, and it just makes no sense. If you're gonna do, you know, you mentioned. I think you said turnovers and points per game. Those are those are better. Or yards per drive, yards per play. Anytime you can narrow it down, you're gonna to get to a more accurate basis of how a team actually performed. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. never looked at it like that before.
0: But uh, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, it all makes sense. sense. It all makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> I liked how polite yeah. he was about it. Yeah, I know. If, if that was if that was one of
2: us, we'd sit there and go, "If you think that, you're a dickhead." <laughs> let be honest. That would see, have been us. <laughs> see I, I thought I was kind of kind about it. I just I've had that, I've had this discussion, as you can probably tell from the way I explained it. I've had this discussion hundreds of times, literally hundreds of times, because it just I, and I get it. No one means to be having bad takes or whatever, but it's just. It doesn't make sense. And usually, with any honest person, if they really think about it, they'll realize, wow, you're right. That does, like, like I think it was Brad said, yeah, that does make does sense. Make you know, sense. it just, it it's, does, yeah. And it's, it's, if you just really, yeah, you think about all the variables in football. And that's one reason why analytics, until they're incredibly in depth, they don't quite do as much as they do in, say, like, well, you know, baseball, baseball or yeah. even basketball. They just don't because there's just too many other variables. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dave, Brad's I, mind I, is still blown. I, 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 I know what, it's just
1: it's, I could listen to you all day. I really could on, on stats oh, and and, and you. you know reasons why this stat doesn't work with that stat, and it's yeah, it's just you've just
2: blown my tiny little mind there. Um, brilliant. <laughs> well, thanks. Brilliant. Like I said, I've been doing this. It's mostly by trial and error when you're writing about this stuff for seven years. You start figuring out what does and doesn't work. I'm embarrassed to look back at stuff that I wrote six years ago, because the more you read and the more you you watch the game and the more you realize just how much is going on there, the more you realize there's just so much more to every single statistic. You know, like even like say like people talk about, for example, completion percentage with quarterbacks as some kind of holy grail. Well, the problem is completion percentage is wildly dictated by what kind of offense the quarterback is asked to run. yeah i mean, if you, if you, if you run, say, fifteen bubble screens or something adjacent, like you know, run pass options a game, those are easy pitches and catches, as opposed to say, like a Cam Newton who gets killed for his completion percentage, but he's asked to throw down field all game and they hardly run any screens. And so any statistic, unless you really break it down and isolate all the factors out of it, you're just not going to learn that much.
1: Well, I think on that note.
2: <laughs> yeah, on, on that, that note. note.
1: Um, thanks very much for that, Seth. Um, like, like I said, it's oh, just, it's just for blown me. our minds that, but uh, I know you pushed for time, and I, I really appreciate you uh, you're coming onto the show and everything to help us out tonight. Um, really appreciate it. But uh, Just a quick yeah. thing before you go. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. Seeing yeah, as sure. we may not have you on again before the season. <laughs> getting your money's worth. A brief <laughs> prediction. Just a brief prediction Absolutely. for for 2017. How
2: do you see the Chiefs' season
3: going?
2: Oh man, you know you guys aren't gonna like this answer. And again, like I said, I, I'm I'm an attorney. Well, I'm also a pastor. I have a lot of jobs, guys. It's a yeah. whole deal. But I'm, I'm an attorney, and so my my answer is almost always it depends because there's just so many variables. And so this is this is the this, I'm gonna kind of hedge my bets here. It wouldn't surprise me if the Chiefs went 14 and two and made a Super Bowl run. That would not surprise me. It also wouldn't surprise me if they went 8-8 eight and eight and missed the playoffs. What would surprise me is if they were terrible. That would surprise me. If I'm going to go with a record prediction, an actual record prediction, I think they end up splitting the difference and they go 11-5. and five. They make the playoffs. They make a little bit of noise, but once again, they fall a little bit short, probably most people will blame alex smith for it and they'll be partly correct and partly not that never happens sir i've got no <laughs> no idea that never got... happens Nobody yeah, ever like blames alex smith <laughs> yeah yeah i'm so bold with my predictions i think they'll do pr- pretty much the same thing they've done the last <laughs> few years and yeah i'm so bold but you know honestly i you, you, if you want a bold prediction i think there's a better chance and i'm not saying it's a good chance but i think there's a better chance than most people think of patrick mahomes taking this job this year oh really that's my that's my bold prediction. Now here again, you gotta understand, I fell in love with Patrick Mahomes way before the Chiefs drafted him. I actually wrote an article saying if I were John Dorsey, I would trade up and I would get Patrick Mahomes. And then they didn't. I just freaked out. I lost yeah, my Tom, mind. Yeah, it was so me, me and
3: Tom <laughs> me and Tom were on the uh, the Mahomes oh. bandwagon
2: pretty pretty yeah, and, as well so i i think there's just and i don't think it's a good chance i i would i would put it i think most people view it as like a zero percent chance yeah red show yeah yeah i think i think there's a 10 to 15 percent chance that he forces andy to play him this year instead of alex because with the way andy runs that offense and i like alex smith make no mistake i'm kind of known for being almost like an apologist for him um but he is a slightly above average quarterback and Reed protects him so much with the offense he asks him to run, and I don't see any reason why a rookie couldn't do that.
3: Well, we'll end it yeah. there, shall we? <laughs> yes, sounds good. That way, people can get really mad about that.
1: Yeah. What is that guy
2: thinking? Yeah, I can't believe. Been know, on that good?
1: note, <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll have to get Seth back for uh, an offense
2: special. Anytime, guys. I've I've had a blast. I'd love to come back on with you.
1: That's no, great having you, Seth. It really has. It's uh, it, like I said. It's opened my mind up for just uh, just listening to you talk about the uh, the defense and and where the Chiefs are now. And I'm sure the the Tom and Dave are, are exactly the same. Yeah, it was
0: alright. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it was okay.
3: Yeah, <laughs> it was, <pretty laughs> was alright.
0: yeah. I aim to
2: please. When we uh, come off now, we're going to sound so dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. You, you've been, you've got my Minnesota accent making me sound like a complete rube. And so that'll make up for it. It's like, oh, you know, I think they'll be just fine. Yeah, Osiers, it'll be all right there.
3: It's basically Canada. It's basically Canada.
2: <laughs> yeah, it really it really is more or less Canada. We just have more guns. That's, yeah. you know, <laughs>
1: Minnesota. <laughs> uh, we, uh, like I said, we really appreciate it, Seth. So uh, thanks very much for your time. And uh, no Absolutely. doubt we'll speak to you soon. All right. That sounds great. Thanks, guys. So we've uh, we've actually just got some news just in whilst we were talking with Seth. And uh, Tom, apparently you know uh, what's what's the breaking news, mate? Oh, cheers, mate. I thought you were... No, no, no,
3: no, <laughs> no. You're to be honest. Yeah. Um,
0: okay. I was actually halfway through taking a swig of my tea then. Um, how British. <laughs> <laughs> cheers, mate. Um, well, it looks like the Chiefs have a new GM. They do. Um, and our new GM is... He uh... <laughs> didn't use that, did he? I did it. It's uh, Brett Veach, the um, the guy that everyone thought would be the Chiefs' new GM, is now the Chiefs' new GM. Is new GM. So no, so no surprises there, then, Dave. Yeah.
3: The least shocking news of the day, shall we say? So. <laughs> no.
1: Yeah. Now, normally with the Chiefs, we normally have good news, and then we have a bit of bad news.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah, we'll don't win.
1: jinx it. We'll win. Don't. <laughs> stop. I'm waiting stop for the bad news. No, it's, I'm just accustomed to it now. I'm 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 climatized.
0: We record through the night. We sit here and wait so we don't have that nasty surprise in the morning. <laughs> we just we're Yeah, here maybe. Now. Some of us have to be at work in the
3: morning, so let's maybe not do that, shall we?
1: <laughs> well, I mean on that uh, on that news, um I mean that's prob- probably the best choice that we could have made is, that it, it,
3: is would you agree with that? Or... I was going to say, outside of Ballard having still been here, yes, I think that is probably the best best one, best we could uh, best promotion internally. Ballard yes, was your man, sure. wasn't he, dear? Yeah, oh yeah, I was a big Ballard fan. It was a shame to lose him to the Colts, especially as it does seem that he's he's killing it there as well mm. so far. Um, but yeah, no, only good things about apparently about Brett Feach as well. So yeah. Let's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's hopefully, uh, be uh, good moving forward.
1: So let's yeah, let's move on with uh with Brett Veach at the helm, and uh, hopefully brings us some success.
0: Um. Well, he's got he's got a nice easy job first year, hasn't he? He hasn't got to make a first round draft pick, which yeah, is a I was like going to say. Yeah. Point, no pressure so, this year. So. Yeah. So he's he's got he's got an easy ride this year. So yeah, good luck to the fella. I wish him well.
1: Right. So that's it for this week's podcast. Um don't forget you can download future podcasts from soundcloud and itunes and if you hit that subscribe button you will have the latest podcast appear as soon as it uploads um so thanks to tom dave as always and a huge thank you to our special guest seth kaiser from arrowhead abroad arrowhead pride yeah there we go close enough I've got it in my head, haven't I? Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, Seth Kaiser from Arrowhead Pride and uh, for joining us and obviously giving us these fantastic thoughts on the Chiefs' defence going into the new season. Keep a lookout for our next podcast. And just as a quick heads up, make sure you listen to us on the Locked On Chiefs podcast on Audio Boom. Uh, three of us were actually invited to talk about the UK Chiefs fans and the growth of the game in the UK. So uh, check that out. Once again, thanks everyone for listening and we'll speak to you again soon.